Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here, and today I have a guest for you. His name is Michael Scott Ford, and today we'll be discussing the challenges of growing up Asian American, pretty much in America. Michael personally grew up in the Deep South uh, in the 80s and 90s, and uh, currently he's living in uh, Mississippi. And Michael, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yes, no problem. Uh, Like I said, I want to thank you again for having me uh, on. Uh, like I say, my name is Michael Ford. I uh, grew up originally in Mobile, Alabama. I'm currently in Moss Point, Mississippi, which is just beyond the state line. I was a public school teacher for 12 and a half years in the Mobile County public school system. And I've also done various uh, odd jobs for sport media relations for the University of South Alabama, which is my alma mater, and various other. <laughs> odd jobs, uh, officiating uh, baseball and, and various other little things. So I've, I've kind of always tried to be a uh, jack-of-all-trades, but ace of none, I suppose they say sometimes. Nice. So you grew up pretty much in the deep south, right? Yes. Uh, I'm pretty much in the deepest part of the south unless you go down, you know, down to Florida. Uh, which some people, you know, it, it just depending because of the differences and a lot of the people that retire there, I guess the culture can be somewhat different. Uh, but definitely pretty much you can't get lower uh, geographically in the state of Alabama than where, than where I grew up. Nice. Can you kind of walk us through what that was like growing up? You know, I was, I was trying to think of some, some stories or things I could tell uh, and I'm sure these things definitely uh, go across to anyone that, that was, you know, mixed Asian American growing up. My mother is from uh, Nagasaki Prefecture, specifically Sasebo in Japan. My father was from the the area I am in now, the Mobile, Alabama area. They met uh, when he was in the Navy. And so growing up, you know, I, I was always felt like the outsider because I didn't really have any, any Asian American friends or people that I could relate to uh, in terms of, you know, for example, an odd thing that I know at least nowadays people don't have to deal with, but many of us did, and not just in the South. You know, when, you, when you're when you a kid or you're younger and you're having to fill out the, you know, the racial box on forms, you know, there was never until recently a, uh, you know, multiracial or select all that apply type situation. You know, you always had to pick just one. And so I remember being so stressed as a young person. This, I never really knew exactly which box to check, you know, because I was like, well, I'm kind of one of both. So which one do you do you check? Uh, and luckily nowadays, you know, they, they at least allow you to, most of the time, allow you to pick more than one. Yeah, so you grew up half? What's that? Uh, so you're half uh, half Asian? Yes, yes. My mother is, is Japanese completely. She's from Japan, born there, lived there until she was around 19 or 20. My father uh, is Caucasian, white. Basically, they met when he was uh, serving in the U.S. Navy during the Vietnam War. But, you know, luckily for him, he, you know, didn't have to do a lot of the things many of the other military did because he was, you know, the Navy wasn't as involved. So he was in one of their bases around Japan and Sasebo, and that's how they met. And then uh, fell in love, and eventually, you know, after he was was got out, he he sent a uh, sent some money and a plane ticket over for my mother, and and you know for her to come live in the United States. She came here, didn't didn't speak uh, one bit of English, um, you know, and it it took her quite some time to to get adjusted. She still, you know, isn't you know as adjusted as she'd probably like to be. Uh, you know, my father passed away. Uh, last year, and he handled a lot of just the day-to-day things. You know, it's it's another thing some people don't think about uh, unless they're in the situation. 
she's she's not accustomed to, to talking to customer service people or dealing with uh, you know having to change phone services or, or dealing with repair people because she was never the best speaker of English. Um, and so now with my father gone, you know, it's something that, that she's had to try to, to deal with. And I've been doing as much of it as I can. I try to do the majority of it so she doesn't have to stress about it. And, but it, you know, I guess little things like that are things that pop up, you know, outside of the general, you know, I think discrimination or racism that people can feel, you know, uh, in the South, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, worse here than many places, uh, even though I think stereotypically it's viewed that way. Uh, historically, definitely so. Yeah, I think a lot of it kind of ties down to the history. Like, a lot of people see the South as a very racist place, and a lot of the history that kind of goes behind it, like, kind of sets that... Uh, precedent in people's minds. Do you kind of agree with that? You know, I've I've, I've teetered I've teetered on that uh, various times because I I think that personally I've I believe that the South, at least my experiences of the South, are not quite as racist or as uh, you know, hateful as some people may believe or that is sometimes portrayed in, in media. But I also think it's probably a little bit worse than what the average uh, individual that may not be, you know, focused against, you know, not a, a non-minority, you know, situation of somebody that lives down here, for example. Uh, there's a lot of things that do go on that many people don't, don't see. Uh, yeah. You know, I would never, never think, you know, never try to compare myself to some of the things that like my African-American friends have dealt with over the years. But I also can say that there were times when I was in school that the individuals would bully the Asian-Americans or the, the, the Mexican-Americans worse because they knew that if they attacked or targeted the African-Americans in, in school or in class, depending on the situation that they would be, they would be scrutinized or somebody would be keeping a closer eye on it uh, just oh. because it was, you know, something that could be very common or could be very much a hotbed issue. Now I'm not saying that they didn't at all, but so the types of individuals sometimes that are going to find somebody to be, you know, a bigot toward, or just be, you know, uh, uh, not a nice person toward, they're going to find the path of least resistance. They're going to find the people that they can that they can try to influence or show power over. That's not going to draw as much attention. And unfortunately, sometimes I think it was it was it was some of us and individuals that were not being it was not you know being at least looked at as much. Uh, at least that was my experience with certain things. And I even had some some of my friends, uh, you know, my African-American friends, I, I, you know, had a lot of those because a lot of the minorities just in general, you know, we, you kind of stick together at times where you're not really a part of the, the majority uh, and you have your own little subgroups depending on where you're from or what your background is. But, you know, I always had a much better relationship with some of the, some of my African-American classmates than I did some of my, you know, white classmates, just because I think they knew more so than myself, even that, you know, how some people could be, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, yeah it was, do, uh, do you think a lot of that has like improved over the years or do you think it's kind of, uh, still been the same as like when you were a kid? You know, I think it has improved to an extent, you know, I've, I've been a proponent for a number of years in trying to say that the South is not near as racist or as full of bigotry as it's popularly portrayed in media and whatnot. But I will say the last couple of years, it's, it's been a little different as, as everybody has experienced with COVID and, and things of that nature. And I have come to see that perhaps we have not advanced as far as 
I originally thought maybe we had. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I really don't believe it's as bad as it may have been, you know, in the, in the long past or in the 50s, 60s, 70s even, or even in the 80s when I was, when I was, you know, I was originally born in 1980, so I kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s. And I don't necessarily think it's, it's in some situations as bad as it was maybe in some of those times, although the last couple of years it's, it's definitely been a little different with, with political you know, situations, you know, and whatnot and, and things that get incited because of that and, uh, and the COVID, you know, that's definitely caused a shift in a, a lot in everywhere, not, not in the United States, at least not, not just in the South, but I think, you know, everywhere. Uh, but I, I guess in the long way around to answer your question, I do think it has gotten a little better, uh, from the, from the, from the past. Uh, although I still think we can do a lot, do a lot better. So I know like around when COVID was happening, a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, it's like the yellow thing. And then like people would get all bent out of shape and like, um, there'd be like incidents on the news where people would be picking on Asians because they're like calling it like maybe like the China virus and stuff. Did you encounter anything like that? Or see anything like that going on in the south? You know, I, I actually, uh, I did, uh, and it was it was unusual because, or not, un, I guess not unusual because of how people can be, but I definitely noticed as that trend began, as things began to escalate in those in that manner, because unfortunately, a lot of individuals and uh, that it left. I guess it could be with any ethnicity or race, but, you know, a lot of times, and I even used to make this joke with my friends when I was younger, and, and I mean no offense by this, but, you know, a lot of people will look at Asians and everybody's Chinese because they just automatically associate, at least when I was younger, especially, you know, Asia, China, and that's what they're, that's what they're more exposed to. Uh, so they just assume all Asians are Chinese. Uh, which is, as you well know, is obviously not true. True. And so I did know that, uh, notice that the last couple of years, you know, I would get more, you know, sideways glances or dirty looks or people that were a little bit ruder than maybe I experienced. Probably something that, you know, like the African-American community has probably dealt with forever. Um, And it was just definitely increased in the last in the last couple of years, it's, it's definitely increased where I've gone places uh, and people have not been as pleasant as they maybe normally would be because they'll, you know, look at me and think, you know, oh, he must be, you know, Chinese or part Chinese or whatever, you know. Uh, and I've been able to deal with it. You know, the thing that, that stressed me the most is just worrying about my mother. Uh, going, especially with, you know, like the, the thing that was in New York a, a, a while back, the videos and some of the things you hear, that that's really what scared me the most was something happening to her just going out to, to Walmart or, or one of those places, you know. Uh, but it, unfortunately, it's definitely been something that has increased uh, even down here just as, as everyone else, even though this hasn't really probably been as much stuff in the news or anything as uh, terrible as like some of the, the actual physical assaults that have been seen, you know, in various places. I don't know of, of anything of that nature that I can think of at the moment, but definitely the, the, the rudeness and sideways glances and a little bit of the, the hate that's coming out, especially since, you know, obviously this area I live in and, and the majority of this area is very much uh, a red state, as they call it, Republican area. And, and I'm not trying to say anything detrimental about that, but it's it's definitely something that a number of people, the majority, uh, were more in line with the previous uh, administration in, in the in the country and, and sometimes took some of the things that were said or, or done a little bit, uh, 
little bit more to heart than they probably should have. But I suppose that's also something that has kind of occurred in a lot of places, unfortunately. Uh, One of the things that... that Go ahead. Oh, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. If people wanted to find you online, where could they find you? Uh, Well, my uh, Twitter is at JetBlazer22. It's J-E-T-B-L-A-Z-E-R-2-2. It's an amalgamation of two of my favorite sports teams. Uh, I changed it years ago. And, you know, that's really it. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but, you know, uh, that's, I guess, the main social media thing. And I think it's the same on Instagram. Uh, But I'm not really sure if anybody wants to hear anything I've got to say. But (laughs) the the, at JetBlazer22 on Twitter is the the main one. That's the one they they can definitely get me at. Sounds good. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week sustainable success is just around the corner if you are an entrepreneur business leader or anybody looking for their next level of success tune into sustainable success with host chris salem did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago the path you started on then determines what is happening now Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leather Kim here with Michael Scott Ford. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the pressures and the societal issues uh, growing up Asian, especially in America. And uh, Michael's been sharing his experience from the Deep South and talking a little bit about how this pandemic has really, like, changed things a little bit so people are a bit more scared and reluctant about things going on and the kind of uh, impact it's had on people like uh, Scott's mother, who's uh, pretty much as Asian as she as uh, it gets and grew up in Japan herself. Uh, do you want to talk more about what your mom is kind of like struggling with, especially in these days and times? Uh, yeah, you know, luckily she is such a good-hearted person. Uh, she is uh, doesn't really see the the, the bad and and in much of anyone when she goes about. So you know, I don't think, as far as I know, but she's also the type of person that wouldn't even wouldn't even tell me if she did, but. I don't think, excuse me, I don't think she's experienced anything that I'm aware of, uh, anybody being, you know, rude toward her, uh, or causing any issue, you know, her big 
recently it's just been getting over the death of my father from last year uh, and, and navigating those situations. So I guess I'm, I'm glad about that. I think I myself have had to deal with, with a little bit more just as far as out in public uh, that or either she hasn't told me or she's just oblivious to, to people's negativity. She is you know, older. She's, uh, I have to do the calculation in my head. I, I should know that she's, you know, 74 years old. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people, they're, they're, you know, with the exception of what we've seen kind of in social media or, or in popular media, uh, not going to mess with, with individuals of that age. Uh, and I can even say that's one thing about, I guess, about the South that I've noticed uh, that it's a good thing. Uh, and that's that a lot of people do respect elders and, you know, even some of the, uh, rudest, most profane people I've ever met, oddly enough, they, they, it didn't matter who they encountered or or what they experienced. They, they did have a respect for elders. You know, uh, that's not to say that it was good that they would go and pick on somebody younger, uh, but at least they, they kind of had that stereotypical respect for your elders thing. So I guess, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to dog on the South a hundred percent because I do think we've made some strides, but there have been issues that, especially the last few years that have come up that have not been as good. Uh, you know, I hate the fact also that she has not been able to get back to Japan the last few years because of just travel situations and COVID. Um, you know, she hasn't been back as much as she'd like, and, and she did have a trip planned, uh, you know, last year, a year before last. And then, you know, my father got, you know, very, very much so sick. And then with COVID and everything happening, you know, it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't a feasible thing to do. Uh, and then the Olympics, you know, not, not that that was uh, issues specifically for her, but, Travel-wise, going to Japan during the Olympic time period was was not something that was easily done. So, uh, I'm hoping to be able to set something up. Maybe maybe she can get back, uh, and I'd like to go with her because I've actually never been able to go. Uh, maybe possibly sometime next year. That would be great. Well, you haven't been able to go back yet. No, I've never been able to go. My my brother and sister are a bit older than me. Went when they were young. Uh, and I, I, there's only the one or two times that I was actually, uh, going to be able to go with her. Uh, I wouldn't go otherwise, or at least not, uh, initially was the summer. So I guess it would have been summer of 2002 because I was getting ready to graduate, uh, college uh, with my bachelor's and of course the nine eleven and September 11th, which the 20 year anniversary was recently, you know, happened right at the end of, of, of 20, uh, 2001. So traveling in the summer of 2002, it was just, it was, everything was changing. Everything was different. Um, you know, neither she or myself, you know, we were like, Oh, we can just, you know, we'll wait another year or two and, you know, let things kind of shake out, how, you know, let things settle and go however they're going to go. And then, of course, things come up, things happen, you know, uh, school and work and jobs and everything else. Uh, so we we ended up not going and it was it was postponed. And and then the next chance that, that we thought about going was a couple of years ago and then uh, just weren't able to go because of my father's, you know, getting ill uh very rapidly he had battled cancer for a number of years and did well but eventually it finally caught up to him and it kind of kind of put everything on hold uh yeah. and then the pandemic hit so but it's definitely something that i i've, I've got to find a way to do and i know i will be able to do is go with her uh while she's still still able to go and enjoy herself because she still has family there. So we have, you know, places to stay and, and things of that nature. So that'll make it, uh, something that I am looking forward to being able to pull off, uh, sometime within the next 
year or two, hopefully. Do you think um, not going has kind of impacted your uh, who you are and uh, how you were raised and everything? Because you've had opportunities in the past, but haven't have been able to go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know that, and another thing that that has always, but well, I, I guess bothered me but not from her end is that I don't speak Japanese really. You know, I've, I've been working on it the last few years and trying to get better at it. But it's not something that I was taught growing up. And I think some of that was also part of living, you know, growing up in the South and having, you know, the, the kind of a, a common, uh, common situation where you had like maybe a military individual with a with an Asian uh a wife and I'm not saying this for everywhere but it was just my experience that you know it wasn't necessarily pushed upon us because at times you know that that connection would want to be pushed to the side you know you wouldn't want to have your kids associated with that as much uh in the past as maybe now and it was something she didn't really push on well we didn't push it either but how many kids really want to push to learn new language uh, but looking back, I, I wish I had done a better job of trying to learn the language, and that's something I am also determined to do better at. And it is something that I, uh, you know, I think has has definitely helped, or not helped, but caused me to feel a little bit more in between both worlds, you know, uh, because if I do go, uh, you know, I, just walking around the street, somebody may look and think that I would know exactly what to say or how to act, but that wouldn't necessarily be the case, uh, which is a little bit stressful or disappointing. Uh, so that's, that's probably my biggest regret is, is the language, not even so much the, the visit, which I, is definitely up there, but the, the language factor is probably my biggest at the moment. And like I say, I am working on it, but I'm not far as, as far along as I should be considering I'm 41 years old. Yeah, do you think the language thing was mostly because uh, your mom wanted to keep you sheltered or because, uh, you know, like sometimes as children, you're like, I don't want to learn something new and it's kind of something you just put off? Yeah, I think it was a, probably a little bit of both. You know, I mean, I don't think, you know, it was never really, at least not for me, I'm the youngest of, of three children. My brother and sister are seven and eight years older than me, respectively. So I'm not sure exactly how their particular situation may have been. It was definitely a long enough number of years that it could have been completely different. But it was never even uh, mentioned or even pushed upon me in any kind of way to learn any of the language and I think some of that was just you know partly society at least in the south you know it was like it was an afterthought it was there was no reason you know for me to learn it at least the way it was looked at I don't know if it was by my both my parents or if it was a one-sided debate or whatnot I'm not sure I've never really asked uh but yeah, I think it was it was a little bit of both, I suppose. Uh, I could have been more, definitely could have been more, uh, you know, enthusiastic or asked about it, uh, wanted to do it more. You know, it's not something that was offered, you know, in school, obviously, at least not not here uh, and not at that time. But it's nothing I never actually approached her about either until later in life. So. You know, um, it's definitely not not all on her, but it's something that I I wish would have occurred in one way or the other, whether it be from me initiating it or her or or somebody else, because uh, that's something I uh, I really have tried to to immerse myself in. As time went by, you know, I noticed it from some individuals that were in similar situations that they were maybe uh, mixed race. And they tried to to gravitate toward one or the other, or you know they tried to push one aspect of their heritage down to elevate the other, or 
try to embrace the other, so to speak. And, you know, that was nothing. That was something I never did, luckily. You know, I always enjoyed learning the, the culture, the food, cooking styles, just, you know, various things, the, the, the art and media and things. But the language is something that I did not, uh, did not pick up when I should have, I, I, you know, mainly. Yeah, language is pretty difficult to pick up. I even have trouble speaking a lot of different things in Korean as well. It's one of the harder things to really pick up from a culture. Unless you're like immersed yeah, in that, like living there. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, sometimes when, when kids are in households where they're spoken to and, you know, two different languages constantly where they have to kind of figure out which one's which, you know, they, they say, I think, uh, you know, learning wise, that's, that's kind of the best way to go. But how often do people really, really do that? You know, especially depending on how old you are, you know, nowadays people know about that more than, than they did probably when I was younger, but, uh, and it, and it is, it's, it's a difficult thing. And then the, the, uh, writing and the, the reading is completely different for the, the, you know, the Asian languages versus the, you know, more dramatic languages with the standard letter-based system that, you know, even though things are put in different places, it's still uh, very similar to whereas the, you know, all, you know, pretty much the different Asian languages are, you know, very caricature-based. They're, they're different, you know, symbols and, and slashes and, and things that are uh, not easy for individuals that, you know, maybe grew up in America or, or even Europe, various places could pick up unless they were exposed to it early because it's just completely foreign. Uh, or at least that was my experience. Uh, I'm not sure if yours was similar, if anybody you know was similar. But no, I feel the same way. Like the whole language system is entirely different. Like over here we have letters and over in Asia there's characters. So then it's like adapting and learning something absolutely brand new. Yeah, exactly. And it's... Uh, you know, at least with the Japanese, I'm not sure with Korean or Chinese uh, or any of the others. I know, you know, it's, it's a left-to-right system versus a right-to-left uh, type thing or, well, whichever. I may have said that backwards, but you know what I mean? Uh, so it's definitely uh, completely different. You know, it's it's completely different thing to, to learn. That's why, you know, I feel like I could get the grasp of the language. Uh, and like I said, I've done done better with it uh, over the last few years with some various programs I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to do. And, and luckily I'm, I'm, you know, have my mother that can help me when I have questions or situations that I don't quite grasp. I have a resource and that's been good for us, you know, just to have something to, to be close about or to, to share. Uh, but the, the, the written aspect is, is something I don't know if I'll ever be able to grasp, but maybe if I can grasp the language, then I can get the written aspect. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it takes a lot of work and Definitely. a lot of to really get that down. So, um, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you've had growing up or growing up, uh, Asian, half Asian? Um, well, it's, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be related to growing up recently. I mean, it would be more of a grown thing lately. I, I think we mentioned it during the break. You know, and this and this is not just an Asian thing. This is more of a, it's part of it, but it's it's also a mental health thing that I'm I'm always big on uh, promoting mental health. Uh, I think it's a it's something I used to tell my students that it's not viewed like it should be, in my opinion, amongst, amongst the population, although it's getting better. I used to always give a example or give an example. If someone to my students, if someone breaks an ankle and they need to see someone, are they going to go see a dentist? Their kids would usually laugh. No, of course not. Now, if you break your ankle and you're out in the middle of nowhere, could you go see a dentist and could they help you better than the average person? Sure. I mean, they've got medical training. Uh, so why, with when it comes to mental health, would you go to just a, a random doctor or general practitioner regularly? Uh, 
but it's because of stigmas, I think. You know, in in society where where people look at people that try to deal with mental health or go to psychiatrists as as crazy, or also that it's you know not covered by insurances a lot of times or it's quite expensive. But a few years ago, you know, I, I think I'd mentioned either beginning or maybe it was before we were on air that I left the school systems after twelve and a half years because I was just really mentally. Uh, in a bad place. I didn't think I would be able to live healthily much longer. And I knew that if I continued doing what I was doing, that I was either going to harm myself or harm possibly even, you know, someone at the school or, you know, other teachers. I mean, not necessarily directly, possibly indirectly, just with my, uh, you know, negligence. So I felt like the best thing for me to do was to take a step back and try to reevaluate. So I took a, a leave of absence, uh, and then I completely left the system with the intention of trying to get myself right and going back so I could continue to, to help teach the young people because I did enjoy that. I did I didn't enjoy trying to educate and make the young people better. I was uh, I taught mainly sophomores in high school. It was just a health class which was great for me because it was, it was, I didn't have to worry about a lot of the stringent standards that some of the science and math teachers have to deal with testing and all of those things. You know, it was just so broad, uh, you know, health and personal health that I could really touch on a lot of different stuff. So it was great. Uh, and then I left and I did get some things together. I was single at the time. I reconnected with, uh, an old high school girlfriend. We got married, everything, and my personal life completely flipped, and it was it was fantastic. But since then, I, I basically traded my personal life and happiness for my professional professional success at the time because uh, you know it's like once I was once I was gone, and they just labeled me like a a nut job, I guess, or something. And I haven't been able to get back in, and I don't necessarily think that's specifically related to. Uh, being Asian, but possibly just minority in general, because uh, there was actually an incident that I, that, you know, recently that people can look it up if they want to, just via the news. But there was a uh, a teacher and uh, coach of, of football in the area that uh, was accused and and of assault and what whatnot, various other things, and you know, nothing was done. Basically, it was just kind of just swept away. Whereas I believe if that had been a minority individual, that would not have been the case. And so sometimes I, I wonder if, if my inability to get back into the system or get back kind of the second chance in certain situations is related to my being Asian. I don't know. You know, it may not be. It probably isn't. But it's a shame that, you know, people such as myself or, or other minorities have to, you kind of have to wonder. You know, I know there's studies that have been done that, that say African-Americans are far more likely to have stressors and mental health problems. And I'm sure it applies to all minorities just because of the different things that you may have to deal with that other individuals don't growing That's up. It's, uh, well, I, don't know, I got off on a tangent there. I'm sorry. Well, no worries. Well, it's about time for us to take another commercial break. Where can people find you online again? Uh, like I say, it's uh, at JetBlazer22, J-E-T-B-L-A-Z-E-R-2-2. Uh, it's an amalgamation of my favorite teams, the New York Jets and Portland Trailblazers, which are it's an odd odd thing for somebody from Mobile, Alabama, to have two, those two favorite teams, but that's kind of where that came from. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained 
Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hello, Leonard Kim here with Michael Scott Ford. Thank you for... uh tuning back in to grow your influence tree uh before we left uh michael was talking a bit about like mental health and some of the issues that kind of come up especially when you have a working career and what challenges that could really bring up uh, and what a lot of people face uh michael would you like to get into more detail about that yeah the only other thing i wanted to add was I feel like sometimes, and, and I'm sure there are, there are others that have, have dealt with this, that sometimes it's a shame that if a person takes the initiative to try and better themselves or better their situation as opposed to letting themselves hit rock bottom or be forced out of their career or be pushed into rehab or whatnot, you know, uh, like I say, I took that choice. I knew that my situation was not going to improve if I didn't do something about it and, you know, I tried to take that initiative and improve myself, prove my mental health. And it, it kind of backfired in one way because since I did, you know, take that step back and it did improve uh, my personal health and mental health. And, and I would never, ever trade what I gained from that. Uh, but lost necessarily with my with my career and teaching and whatnot. I would never trade that because it was far better trade off than than I would ever have expected. But yeah, it, it's I don't know. I suppose it's different for different people in different situations. Uh, you know, another thing that's always been important to me, just kind of in relation to mental health, is suicide prevention. You know, I hope people out there understand that, that there are people that can help them, uh, you know, if they feel that way. I myself have, have been down before, but I've never really gotten that far, only because my uh, my brother, uh, well, best friend slash brother, he wasn't, we weren't related by blood, uh, but he was basically my brother. He, he committed suicide uh, 16 years ago, and uh, that was you know, a horrible thing. I mean, it, it was something that stayed with me till this day. And it's, uh, you know, if there's, I know there's people out there and I don't even have a clue if anyone that's out there that will ever hear this, my voice. But, uh, if, if there's even one person that would ever hear my voice, uh, saying this, that there are people out there willing to listen, 
uh, are willing to talk, they can they can they can try to help make things better. And I mentioned earlier my 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 Twitter handle. Anybody, I don't care who it is. You, you can feel free to reach out to me, and uh, if you're in that mode, because if you feel that way, it can only get better. You know, if you're at that low point, you know, there's things that can be done. And I was almost there, and that's why I drastically changed my life. And yeah, there are still things that I have not been able to improve or recover upon, you know, outside of my mental health and, and personal life. But those things did improve. And so it's always challenges, you know, to, to make things better. And sometimes you have to trade something for another. I guess it's just a matter of which which is more important. And I always think that your mental health, uh, your personal health, you know, uh, how happy you are, your feelings, those things are, are more important than a, than a job necessarily or how much money you make. You know, if you make a lot of money, but you're just completely miserable with yourself and your life every single day, you know, I don't really know if that's worth it. You know, at the moment I struggle uh, monetarily, but overall I'm pretty happy for the most part, you know, everybody has their days, but, uh, you know, I have a great wife and a couple of good dogs. Uh, I don't have any kids, but you know, uh, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with all that. So I took that trade off and I'm very much fine with that. Well, there's some other things that you did to kind of, uh, deal with your own mental health, especially when you were, uh, facing those big struggles like suicide and thinking of things like that. Well, one of the, the, the biggest thing, I guess, was, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't, you know, I was drinking too much. I was doing things of that nature, destructive things. And I guess sometimes, first off, you have to have kind of a personal awareness of, of that, of being able to realize that, like, uh, you know, I'm not really acting in the best manner for myself. And for me, and I think it would be different for different people, I had to, to sit back and think, like, what can I do? What, what is causing this? You know, like what, why is this such a problem? What was, what is the main root cause of my stressors or of my situation? And at the time, what it came down to me was, was my job, uh, not even necessarily students, but just other, other people I worked with, just discrimination when it came to, I was an athletic coach and in the South, if you, if you're not, specifically primarily a football coach um, or willing to coach football, it can be an issue. It can be a problem. Just like I'm sure in some of the middle, middle, middle Midwest and middle part of America, if you're not a basketball coach, it can be a problem, uh, at least during that time. So I decided that that was what I needed to do. I, needed, I knew I needed to make a drastic change to myself or for myself. And for me, it was leaving my job and getting away from that negativity and kind of reevaluating. Uh, and I was fully prepared, prepared at that time to move, you know, to move and try to seek out something new. Uh, but then, you know, like I said, I reconnected with uh, my ex-girlfriend from high school, and uh, we kind of reconnected, like I said, and got married, and everything's been great. But that was just my situation, you know. I was definitely prepared to get away. Um, and I don't know... I wasn't trying to necessarily run away, but I just I wanted to be open to to something new, open to any possibilities. I didn't want to be, con, you know, confined to having to do everything that I had been doing for the, the previous years. And for me, it just took a drastic change. And I think for some people, that's what it takes. It takes the leap of a drastic change. And it may not be leaving your your job. That may be the completely worst thing some people could do because that may be the only stable thing that that keeps them going is whatever their professional situation or job is just for me that wasn't it but i felt like that that or i feel like that sometimes in those situations if people get down like that that they're possibly they need to make a drastic change somewhere it's just a matter of finding the the where that starts. And I guess that's kind of the battle for everybody. Uh, I hate to put a, to, to put it in one or two things because all I know is what it, what it was for me. Uh, and for me, it was, it was, it was trying to change my career path. And I'm still on that journey of trying to change my career path. You know, I, I if I had my ideal, 
a dream job, I would be like a voice actor on cartoons or something. But, uh, you know, that's not always easy to do. Uh, I did public address for years uh, at sporting events. But, you know, I've always, I've always, I don't know why, I've just always been so intrigued by voice work. Uh, and so that's something I'm still trying to, 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 to do. I, I mean, I still think that could be possible. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of keeping on and, and trying hard and trying to make it work. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of your insights with us today and uh, for being a guest on the show. Uh, are there any final words you wanted to leave with the audience? Uh, just, I just wanted to thank you for, for giving me this opportunity. I, I, hope, uh, I hope maybe someone out there, you know, gets something from this. Uh, that's, that's my thing. That's the thing I always enjoyed about teaching is trying to help, help students and help people. And if there's anybody that if there's only one person that hears anything from this and gets something positive out of it, then I'm appreciative. And like I say, any, anyone can, can follow me on Twitter at uh, JetBlazer22, even if you're just a fan of the Portland Trailblazers and New York Jets and want to vent about how terrible we are. Or uh, you can email. My email is basically the same. It's JetBlazer22 at gmail.com. So uh, I'm always open. To, to anything, to either helping people or just venting about uh, sport sport frustrations when it comes to to athletics and, the, and my favorite teams. Well, I'm sure our listeners found this very insightful, and uh, we do appreciate you being on another episode with us today. Uh, for everyone else who wanted to follow me, uh, you could always follow me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.